You're listening to Predictions, the podcast where we talk about the future and we try to see into the future. I'm your host, Konstantin. And I am Ingmar Schubert. Hello. So, because for today, uh, our question is um, about, uh, we want to talk about uh, battery electric vehicles, we want to talk about hybrid uh, electric cars, we want to talk about hydrogen cars, we want to talk about the future of mobility in terms of what will propulse our cars. And as our, our prediction question, we, we discussed a bit and we came up with this following question. What is going to be the number or the percentage of battery electric vehicles among the newly registered vehicles in 2030. Uh, so in 2030, um, if um, I'm the person who has people coming to me who register their cars, what share of people will register purely battery electric vehicles? And we're kind of not thinking about trucks so much, we're more thinking about cars for personal use. And yeah, Ingmar, do you have a number? Yeah, if you, if you uh, look around a little bit and do some research on What other people think about that, the numbers are really all over the place. And this is just because uh, it's just crazy to try to predict that from now. And this is also why it's so fun. So I'm just going to say that I think um, that like the integrated value, right, of all electric cars available on the roads uh, in 2030 uh, yeah, will be around 10%. <laughs> um, okay, so you, you're not talking about the newly registered no, vehicles. No, though, I'm, I'm talking you're about, talking about the total vehicles. Yeah, because okay. also because this is a little bit, um, this is a little bit less volatile, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> and you and you have to um, take into account that also like um, car ownership in general is still massively increasing uh, worldwide, right? Not yeah. in the developed countries, but in emerging countries okay. and right now we have something like one billion a little bit more of cars mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. yeah and electric vehicles are something like like one percent of that more or less like order of magnitude so yeah what i'm what i'm trying to say is that i expect a 10 i mean one more of magnitude increase so 10 percent okay by 2030s of uh, or electric vehicles or let's just say battery electric vehicles because frankly uh, at the level of um, accuracy we are at this doesn't really matter so <laughs> whichever you prefer okay <laughs> um well i mean we will go into the why a little bit later but let me just give my number i think I had, I had a similar number in mind, but I was trying to think about the number of newly registered vehicles by that time. If you think about the percentage of battery electric vehicles among the total registered vehicles, of course, then you also have to consider the vehicles that are registered today and that are still around in 2030, right? So I think in that case, I would more, more talk about maybe 3% of battery electric vehicles. And uh, if, if I talk about uh, newly registered vehicles, I would say 11%. Uh, so I would say in 2030. And the reason why I think that is, I think battery electric vehicles will remain a niche product. Um, if, if you talk about purely battery electric vehicles. Uh, and and um, I, I think because 
the, the, the one main cost driver in, a, in an electric car is the battery. And the one main cost driver in a battery is not actually the production process, but it's the resources. Resources like cobalt. And these resources are very limited. Um, the currently known cobalt reserves in the world, I think, are about 8.7 million. I, I checked it before the the, 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 the podcast. And if, if you look at these res reserves, uh, the exploitable reserves of cobalt, um, you would actually not be able um, to electrify every car that drives nowadays using that amount of cobalt, using nowadays, today's battery technology. Mm -hmm. And I, I think, of course, there may be a chance to improve the technology, to get better batteries, uh, batteries that use less cobalt, use, lose, use less expensive resources. But I think um, there will always be trade-offs in that. And so I think it will kind of, it will get a bit better than it's today. So they will be more popular than they are today. Um, but I think there will still be a niche product, the purely battery electric vehicles, just because the battery kind of creates a price floor, a minimum selling price, and that will keep it above a competition like a petrol car. Yeah, I think I think it's quite interesting because um, like the number you said and the number I said really um, correspond to very optimistic um, for mine and more conservative estimates that you can also find when you do your research. And uh, I think what you already touched on, um, namely that the resource costs are the main driver of the costs of a battery electric vehicle nowadays, or even in the future if we um, remain using the same battery technology, is, is the key point to that, because um, all those uh, estimates that uh, yeah, yield higher numbers like 10% for the 2030s, um, all rely on uh, the assumption in some way that we are able to drive down the battery costs by some technological in, um, innovation. So I, I think it really depends. I mean, the question whether battery electric vehicles will become widely adopted or will remain a niche product really depends on whether you believe that there will be a breakthrough in technology or not. Right. Yeah. I I don't know. I mean, the funny thing is, or not so funny thing is that if you look at the current, if, even if you have ten percent of all vehicles being battery electric, if you assume that the other ninety percent are burning fossil fuels, and if you assume that the number of vehicles in the world will keep growing, then we have a problem, right? Sure. Because two thousand thirty is ten years into the future. So just from a climate <laughs> political point of view. Uh, even your optimistic prediction is pretty pretty doomsday. Sure, but I mean, scenario. I mean, I mean, ten percent worldwide is really a massive number, right? I mean, um, like in, in, in the developed countries, uh, that would mean more like something like 40 percent. I'm not sure, but um, the point is really that uh, the time it takes for those types of innovations to trickle down to. Um, yeah, emerging or non-developed countries, I mean, it's just 10 or 20 years. So it's still like 10% doesn't sound like much and it's probably not enough. <laughs> but uh, if, if that happens, it, it will really mean a massive change, even though it doesn't sound like so much. Yeah. So uh, or, or I mean, maybe, maybe let me put it differently. If you have 10% of 
battery electric vehicles in 2030, it will mean that we have like 30-40% by 2040. Just because oh, yeah. this just gets like pushed through the market over time. Yeah, see, that's why I was uh, I, want to, I wanted to talk about percentage yeah. of newly registered vehicles because <laughs> the integrated number is kind of hides a lot of stuff. <laughs> um, um, but I mean, yeah, sure. But it's um, I, I, it's still a bad scenario um, to have only ten percent um, better electric vehicles in two thousand thirty. Um, I, I think I think it's much lower because of this price 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 uh, floor that is set by the battery price. And because I'm not super optimistic that the prices will go down um, while maintaining battery uh, performance, maintaining battery safety, maintaining charging speed, all these things. Um, so there will be trade-offs. And I, th I think battery electric vehicles will be a car for enthusiasts, for people who really value the performance, people maybe who really value the simplicity. Uh, I think a battery, something that the battery electric cars have going for them is that they're very simple. Right. If you if you look at the battery as a single unit, which you shouldn't, but if you look at it as just a simple thing, then it's really just you have a battery, you have a motor, and you have a throttle, and that's it. And you don't even need really need brakes because you can use a motor for braking. So it's it's that simple. And and simple solutions never bet about against the roundabout. You know, like never bet against a simple solution that replaces a complex system. Um, and I think um, I, I wouldn't bet against battery electric vehicles. Um, and, and, because of that, but I, I think I think there's just their resource constraint. And if you look at different technologies that have gone down in price a lot, let's say, look at solar cells, um, look at um, look at uh, semiconductor technologies like a CPU. All of these things are things where the materials are cheap, and you end up having a production process that's very expensive. But then you scale the process, and and the product themselves goes down. But if you look at material things that are where the materials are, what drives the main cost. Yeah, for example, if you look just plainly at um, commodities such as coal, right, where you have no production process or almost no production process, it's all about the material. No, actually, it's not. <laughs> it's the extraction process, right? The cost of the extraction process. Um, yeah, okay, so my my <laughs> argument is breaking down a bit. <laughs> well, <laughs> uh, what I'm trying to say yeah. is that is, is that I, I'm not super confident that the, the price of materials goes down, and if it doesn't, then then the, there is nothing you can mm -hmm. do in terms of scale to fix the battery prices. Yeah, I mean, and I, what I think I, I think that those those silicon-based technologies you you just cited are really a good example mm -hmm. because like it's really it's just sand, right? So the material is, yeah. isn't worth anything, and this is why you have those um, exponential, um, yeah cost laws like Moore's law, famous Moore's law. Yeah. This this is due to the fact that the material is basically zero cost. And it's yeah. all about production. So I, I'm thinking uh, I'm thinking that, that we will see more hybrid cars. And I think that, that we will see more battery electric. Hybrid cars? Battery electric no sorry, no. Plug in hybrid electric vehicles. Yeah. So this means you have a hybrid car, it has a gas engine, it has a tank where you can put gas, um, but you also it also has a small battery and you can charge that small battery. So on a, on a daily trip to the supermarket, to work, you drive completely on the battery, you charge it at night, but if you go for a long distance trip, or if you forget to charge at night, or you're visiting some people that don't have a battery at home, then you just run from the petrol engine. And that I think that that's very nice because it allows you to have a much smaller battery and reduces the battery cost. Um, at the same price, at the same time, of course, it, it increases the complexity of the car above the complexity of a today's petrol car, right? So and now you have a petrol car and also a battery car, 
so you're, you're paying for double the technology in there and double the things that can break down and um that's that's only economical if you save so much money on fuel that it's worth having this electric drive train in there or maybe you're able to have a smaller petrol engine maybe you're able to have something like like a range extender only like a petrol engine that really just charges the battery but isn't really able to power your car so you always just drive through the electric motor and and the right range extender powers your battery um But I feel like that's a much better compromise because now you have a car that, that can actually do all the things a petrol car can do. But you also have a car that has all the advantages of an electric car, almost all the advantages, at a price of higher complexity. But if you look 10 years into the future, I feel like this complexity maybe is easier to handle than the resource constraints of, of battery cars. And so I feel like that's a more pragmatic approach. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's all... I, I think it really comes down to whether you believe that Um, there will be a technological breakthrough with batteries or not. And if yeah, there won't, threat. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if, if, if there won't any, if, if there yeah. won't be any technological improvements, I agree. It's not, it's not realistic that we will have a widespread adoption of electric cars because mm. then you just can't do anything about the cost. And yeah. of course, um, yeah, it's heavily subsidized right now, but this is not something that you can keep up sustainably. So mm. yeah, this will. I mean, the, the development will just slow down and, yeah. yeah. But um, on the other hand, if that happens, and maybe it's not so crazy to assume that because right now we see uh, huge investments into research and development of batteries. Um, so I wouldn't say it's, it's, it's too much of a stretch to believe that there will be some improvements in uh, battery technology. And if that happens, mm. um, we might see much more affordable batteries and then that will totally change the landscape. And I think, think if, we, if we get the battery um, like raw materials price below a certain threshold, um, then it will be a pretty clear win for battery electric vehicles in the long run. But this is yeah. just something that's, that's impossible to extrapolate. Right. I mean, for plug-in hybrids, I'm actually optimistic, but not because I think they will just win by themselves, because I think they're technologically so complex, they will be actually more expensive to buy. And so, and then you will need all the charging infrastructure. So you need some political kickoff, at least, to enable the charging infrastructure, to enable the, 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 the like environment in which you can actually use your battery, sorry, your plug-in hybrid, and charge it every day, and only then it will be beneficial for you in terms of cost. But I'm optimistic because I think that politi political environment will happen. Because I think most nations are waking up to climate change. I think most people are aware of the of the, the urgency to do something. And I think um, these kind of plug-in hybrids are very easy outs, very easy fixes that you can that you can create. Um, coming back to the research question, I think um, you're rightfully pointing out that if you throw a lot of money on a problem and you do a lot of research on it, usually you get some progress, right? And and um, I, that's sometimes maybe that maybe that's a bit um, ignorant of me to pretend like all that research is not happening i just i think i think with all kinds of research there's always the question in what kind of category of problem you're dealing with right if i'm trying to research something that's against the laws of physics um, i'm not gonna get there right i cannot research a way to transmit information from one side to the other side of the earth uh, in less than light speed so that I can I can put any budget behind that. It's not going to work. And, and I don't know where batteries stand. If if they are like that, or 
if, if we are hitting physical boundaries. I mean, we are already using lithium ions because they're very light. Yet at the same time, in terms of energy per weight, uh, if you look at a battery, if you look at gasoline, you have like a factor 100 almost, like a factor 80 or something. So for the same amount of energy, you need 80 times more weight in, in a battery than, than, than in a car. Sorry, than, than, than in petrol. And um, that seems like a pretty, pretty, yeah, big, big gap to bridge. Yeah, I mean, but maybe it doesn't matter. Yeah, I mean, maybe you just need I, a factor I'm, I'm not so sure. I actually, I'm not an expert on this, so hmm. I don't know. But uh, to me, it just feels like I mean, it's basically about finding a good chemical reaction that you can build at large scale to store energy, right? And I, I just think that this is a very like this is a problem you have man, many variables to. So there's mm. probably a lot to explore. So this is just my totally, um, I mean, uh-huh. very, very basic uh, take on this that I, I don't know. I mean, it's definitely not like like super clear that you, you can't do anything about it, but I actually don't know. Maybe the chemical reaction is um, having hydrogen react with oxygen. Aha. And you have a fuel fuel cell, <laughs> and you have a hydrogen electric car, uh-huh. and you don't have a battery. <laughs> what, what do you think about that? Do you think that's competitive with batteries? Well, I mean, um, uh, what is the problem right now about hydrogen? And I think this is also something you can't really do much about. Is that it's just um, much worse in terms of in, in terms of efficiency. So I think even if you assume very conservative numbers, um, energy to actually driving power conversion efficiency is around 25% for hydrogen cars. Yeah, and to put it into perspective, on uh, on a battery you have about 73%. So if you look at the energy that you put in to charge a battery versus the energy that you actually end up having on the wheels, it's about 73% of the energy that you put in. So that's a much better factor. Um, but I think it doesn't matter. I think it doesn't matter because I think energy, especially electric energy, especially off-peak electric energy, is cheap or is almost free. And so even if you need three times the amount of energy to create a hydrogen, it doesn't matter because it's free. I think what matters at the end is the cost of storage. In particular, how many kilometers can you drive before your battery needs to be replaced? How many kilometers can you drive before your fuel cell needs to be replaced? And um, and that for me is not not immediately clear that one is better than the other. I think what's holding back, back fuel cells nowadays is the infrastructure. It's just not there. Like with the battery electric vehicles, you can you can kind of plug in into an existing grid, literally. Like you have you just have to put up some charging stations, but you even don't even have to. You can plug into your wall. And with the hybrids, sorry, with the hydrogen cars, you need to have a hydrogen fuel station. You need to transport the hydrogen. Hydrogen is hard to transport. It, it's actually hard to store. It's also dangerous in any any aspect. Um, but so batteries, so is fuel, um, and and so that that's holding it back. But I I can imagine that, for example, I know that Toyota and Japan as whole is really going all in into this hydrogen economy or really trying to push the research there. And I could imagine that they actually come out with a lead in five or ten years, and and we discover that okay, batteries have hit this floor. Mm-hmm. Um, but hydrogen keeps coming down in price, and then it may be a place where it starts actually competing with um, plug-in hybrid li- electric vehicles. Yeah, I think. I think. I mean. Um, so I agree. There are those those two different 
types of costs, right? Mm-hmm. There, there's the cost of, of energy itself and the cost of storage. And um, yeah, you're, you're kind of assuming that the cost of energy itself will come close to zero in the future. And I wouldn't say that's a completely unreasonable thing to assume. And um, yeah, if we assume that I, I agree, it, then it would speak very much in favor of uh, hydrogen cars. Um, right now, uh, of course, the energy costs for yeah, just for electric uh, electricity are not negligible. So yeah, I'm not sure, but uh, um, yeah, from from today's standpoint, of course, this is a big disadvantage, right? You pay three times as much for fuel, basically, at least for a hydrogen mm-hmm. car. So there, there's there's yeah. really nothing you can do about it. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, if that if that disadvantage levels out, just because energy costs come down, yeah, this will be a big advantage. But I think um, I think what what we both agree on, uh, because we already talked a little bit about this is that um, the charging time to recharge your car, uh, which is yeah. like commonly cited as a huge disadvantage of battery electric vehicles, um, is not really an issue. I mean, uh, already today, we're seeing it becoming less and less of an issue. And like in five years or so, this, this won't really play a role. You agree, right? Yeah, I don't, I don't even think it's an issue today anymore. I think you can charge from 20 to 80%. I think that's what matters. You can do it very quickly. Yeah. 20 minutes, you know, you just go for a pee and, and have some have some sniggers and, and kick a ball around the curb or just stretch your legs and and you go back into the car and you're good to go for another 300 kilometers. Yeah. And I think that's good enough yeah. for 90%, 95% of everybody. Yeah, for example, just, just to give an example, um, like the new uh, version of supercharging from Tesla, the version 3 supercharging, um, like under ideal conditions when there's nobody else uh, at the charging station and you have perfect temperature and your battery is at, I don't know, 50% or wherever it charges best, uh, you can already get 250 watts of charging power out of it. And that means, for example, if you charge your Model 3, that you can get 120 kilometers in five minutes. And of <laughs> course, I mean, those are... Um, ideal conditions and uh, you probably can't assume to to have that on a consistent level but it at least serves as, as a proof of concept so if we can already do this today um, and yeah then I, I, I don't see that this should be a problem in five years from now yeah yeah I, I don't think that's an issue at all. Yeah, I, I think especially if you take into account that most people, when they just do a daily driving, they come home, they plug their car into the street lamp, or their home plug. <laughs> I mean, you need you need to assume that there is the the battery charging infrastructure, right? You go to your job, you park at your employer, you plug it in. You go home, you park in your garage. You go home, you park at the curb, you plug it in. Um, if you have that. You only really need to charge your car. You only need to really think about charging your car when you're doing long road trips. And and there maybe, yeah, you spend 10 minutes more than you would usually do stretching relax once in five hours or once in three hours. And I don't think that matters. Mm-hmm. I think that matters only for people who, who just are not used to it, who who have never driven an electric car. Um, I think once you do it, then you don't care about that. Yeah, I, I think what matters is price. And I think I think the, the the price of battery electric cars nowadays looks 
it looks better than the one of hydrogen cars. I think there is theoretically more potential for hydrogen cars to go down in price than for maybe battery electric cars. Um, but uh, it, as, as we said, it really depends on research. I think that the case for, for plug-in hybrids is only uh, is, is that even with today's technology, they can offer a pretty compelling best of both worlds where 99% of your kilometers driven, you will always drive electric. The last 1%, maybe 3, 4, 5% of long road trips, you will drive with petrol, but, but it allows you to have a much smaller battery and, and it allows you to have, um, um, have much less emissions. And I think the problem with these is that they are currently much more complex than pure electric cars. Yeah, or pure petrol cars, especially because people still want to be able to drive purely on petrol. Um, I I know there was the BMW i3, I think, some years ago, uh, which had a range extender, which actually I think is a very interesting concept. So you have a a petrol engine that just exists to charge the battery, so it can be much smaller because it doesn't need to actually provide power to get started or like provide any torque. It just charges the battery. Um, so that may be also a way for hybrids to get cheaper, but I think in the end there needs to be a certain political will, there needs to be political landscape that, that forces a certain fuel economies on cars, and if that happens, then I think the plug-in hybrid electric vehicles will, will win, and I think that, that will happen in most nations of the world. Yeah, I think it, um, like, I mean, at least in Europe, this is what we see already today, right, because you have this uh, fleet emission um, limits, yeah, and this yeah. is why and all the... Cheating a lot. Yeah, I mean, especially the German automakers who really like to um, to to build big cars. They they are all um, like promoting their plug-in hybrids right now. And, yeah, um, I mean, I mean, yeah, I, I think I think it's really something that even though it's it's as you said a little bit messy because it's just um, you have twice the complexity of a normal car, so to speak. Um, it's uh, kind of cool because it acts as a catalyst to hopefully real electric vehicles in the future. Hmm. I can imagine a future in a hundred years where we, we will drive with, um, I mean, imagine the world is saved and we don't, we don't all die from climate change and <laughs> we have a world in 200 years. Like, we'll all drive electric cars with small batteries. Um, and, and then we have um, a range extender in the car and that range <laughs> extender burns fuel and that fuel will be petrol, but it will be synthesized petrol. So, you can using electricity you can create hydrogen gas from hydrogen gas you can go to methane from methane you can go um through to petrol so you can actually from electricity you can create petrol in a co2 neutral way and that's super inefficient that's super expensive because you take expensive electricity and then you waste a lot of it and <laughs> create even less energy in petrol which is actually much cheaper in terms of energy than electricity no it isn't but it's roughly the same but you waste a lot in the process um but but it's it, it it's a way to create fuel that's um that's uh, CO two neutral, and I think I think that's a good compromise. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but yeah, it needs a political landscape, and maybe also yeah, maybe you will have a breakthrough with batteries, or you will have a breakthrough with um, hydrogen, or just just constant improvements. Just get a factor two in the price, and and or a factor zero point five better, <laughs> and. <laughs> Yeah, and and then, and then you, you suddenly you are in a much different situation. <laughs> yeah. So my prediction, my prediction, if if, if you look at f- newly registered vehicles, I think ten percent are electric. I'm looking at newly registered vehicles, yeah, mm-hmm. and ten percent are electric. I think the seventy percent will be hybrid, plug-in hybrid, and the remaining twenty percent will be all-style petrol cars. 
and and this is worldwide actually for t for in ten years. Um, and then if you look at the total fleet, um, basically all the new technologies you can give them a factor a factor zero point three, so that's like three percent electric, um, thirty percent. Um, on like 20% um, plug-in hybrid and the rest is going to be all-style petrol if you look at the complete fleet including the existing cars. So that, that, that's what I think is realistic. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. yeah, I mean, um, I think I think where we disagree is really that, that you're a little bit more pessimistic about what, I mean, about technological breakthroughs. And yeah. yeah, this is just something you can't really discuss over. I mean, this is not something you can, yeah. you can provide data for. This is just you have to believe it or you don't. And yeah, I mean, we could yeah. go really deep into battery technology, evaluate some current approaches. Um, but even there, I think scientists disagree. Yeah, <laughs> so. and probably we don't know enough, so we shouldn't do it probably. And um, well, yeah. this has this has never stopped me. Okay, <laughs> this has never stopped me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I I personally think that um, yeah just you're seeing those huge investments and this has to go somewhere and just from my <laughs> outsider's point of view um finding new battery technologies doesn't seem like an unsurmountable task <laughs> which is probably pretty ignorant to say but um like yeah mm. compared i don't know to to fusion or something <laughs> it just doesn't seem that hard and uh yeah uh, this, this is just my personal ignorant feeling so yeah i'm more on the side to there will be some breakthroughs and uh, this is why we get to different numbers but on the other hand i conditionally agree with you uh in the case where there's not really much happening in that domain um yeah it it, it will be a lot like you just painted it okay and do you think we will see? Do you think we will ever see a car that has a range of, I'd say, more than five hundred kilometers, for under twenty k, pure battery electric vehicle? And if if you think we will see one like that, when do you think that will be? Um. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is. Uh, Yeah, so, I mean, so that's, so kind, of the, that's yeah. kind of the holy grail, right? That that's the one they want. Like, if it's less than twenty k, if it goes far enough, people will buy it. Yeah, exactly. So this is this is so to speak the the um, Volkswagen Golf for electric vehicles, and yeah, I, I'm going to be optimistic and say that this exists by twenty twenty five. Yeah, just purely because I think, I think that battery technology will become cheaper in one way or the other, and then. Um, yeah, once that happens, of course, this is basically, uh, yeah, all of the cost of an electric vehicle, and then that's base basically doable. Five hundred kilometers range is not really the problem nowadays uh, to do, but of course, it's still very expensive. So it comes down to cost. I don't think it will ever happen. Okay, I, wow. I think just in terms of material, we won't go there. So. There will be there will be electric cars and a higher price range, and there will be other solutions for the lower price range. But for a pure battery electric vehicle car of five hundred kilometers under twenty k, I hope I'm wrong. Yeah, I really hope I'm wrong, um, because that, that that would be awesome. And um, uh, but uh, um, I will bet against that. I say never. Yeah, I think I think what is what is a common mistake what you can't do is just to extrapolate, right? 
so just to say that like i don't know like five years ago i'm not sure but probably the best electric vehicle was the tesla model s that had around 500 kilometers of range and i'm not sure if it actually had that much back then but let's just say it had and yeah it was 80 90k and now you have the model 3 which is half of that right and now you wait another <laughs> five years and you have half of that again um of course well you sh surely shouldn't linearly extrapolate because then you go to negative prices at some point so <laughs> sure. you should put some kind of decay yeah, sure. so, so you do an exponential decay but still um, yeah. <laughs> this is still a pretty naive thing to do of course because some somewhere you just hit the rock bottom of resource prices right um, but yeah as we already as we already established I'm just a big believer <laughs> in technological progress. In science. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And I'm a, and I'm a pessimist. Those naysayers. So, <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. but, but, but I just, I'm, I'm just a little bit more optimistic. I'm, I mean, that's probably a little bit naive or I don't know. It's just, it's just so hard to say. Um, I'm assuming mm. that something will happen and we will have something by 2025 that is less than 20 K and, provides more than 500 kilometers of, of range, of actual range, not WLTP range, but actual range, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not not with me driving it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm kidding. Um, how do you think this will impact our world? I imagine every car is electric or is at least zero emission in some way or another. How do you think this will change to cities? How do you think it will change our, our lives? Uh, I think uh, not at all. Um, I mean, I mean, of course, if, if that really happens, gas stations will vanish over time. I mean, at least become less. Uh, but of course, this doesn't really impact our lives so much on a daily basis. Uh, so I, I, I don't think... I mean, of course... Uh, You're laughing, yeah? But there's some guy out there who owns all the gas stations <laughs> in Europe. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Mr. Shell. Um, of course, it will impact your life. But... Uh, no, the point I'm trying to make is that, um, of course, maybe we can avoid uh, climate change to become uh, such a catastrophe, um, or mm. that much of a catastrophe. Uh, so, of course, this will impact our life, but not compared to today, but compared to our future without that happening. <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, compared yeah, I mean, to today, I think it will just be uh, like, like always, and people just driving electric cars, right? I mean, I, I, I don't think that this really... Um, changes our behavior so much it's just a different type of technology yeah i mean apart from the fact that it will maybe help us prevent the apocalypse yeah <laughs> sure. effect, right? <laughs> <laughs> this is just i mean from the yeah, day's perspective it's just way too abstract so <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm not sure. considering it. <laughs> um no i i mean i think in terms of daily lives um and uh, aside from the not burning part, yeah. um, uh, it it will make cities nicer. You will have less emissions in cities. Uh, you'll have less um, smog. I mean, not um, less particulates. Mm -hmm. And it may it may actually improve improve people's brain function, intelligence. Yeah, yeah but, I, but I'm not I'm not the kind of guy who's like. I, I think hmm? I mean I, I agree that you can probably measure that people in cities are going to be a little bit more healthy. But just just from like, I, I understood your question more from a from a my personal experience perspective, and I don't think that it will really change how I feel when I when I walk around in a city. I mean, also a very important aspect of that is that I mean, which is I think a common misconception is that 
um, electric cars are really uh, not not. I mean, they're, they're just as loud as internal combustion cars in the city, yeah. right? If you're not, yes, if, if you're not trying because of the we, the roll noise, yeah, yeah. the wind noise, yeah. everything is much more dominating on yeah. the engine. And yeah. when, when when a car in the city drives past you with an internal combustion engine and it's not some some weird modified uh, <laughs> exhaust, uh, then you basically don't hear the engine at all. So it it really won't change that. So yeah. So then this is for example something that that won't change and uh, yeah so so i don't think that really your day-to-day experience will be will be changed by widespread well i was adoption i was hoping that everybody's iq goes up like 20 points yeah. and then we finally <laughs> solve a mass last problem yeah. everybody no yeah, yeah I, i agree i don't think there will be super huge impact i think it will mostly be um the air will be, be a little bit nicer um it will be um Uh, there will be a few petrol stations closing. People maybe drive their cars a bit differently yeah. because they can accelerate more. I don't know, man. But in the end, it will be the same. And that's good, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, because it may help us prevent the apocalypse.